guess what? It's time for Making Kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. Season four is fucking here. Welcome to Making Kayfabe, the show where two writers named Bryce and Dylan take some of professional wrestling's biggest missed opportunities and rebook them in a way that makes sense. We've been away for a short while, but we're back now for 12 weekly episodes of Kayfabe Goodness because let's just call a spade a spade here. We love you guys. Dylan, it's been a while. How are you doing, dude? I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Are you excited for season four? I'm very, very excited. I can't wait. I hope that everybody else is excited as I am. And here's the funny thing. I know what some of these stories are. You guys have no idea. Till it lands straight on your podcast feed. And let me tell you, you're going to be in for a good time, especially with today's episode. There is some good shit coming up. Some absolute barn burners of episodes coming up. But yeah, let's uh, let's actually zone in on today's topic because it's one that's been requested by several Making Kayfabe listeners. And truthfully, it's one that I've wanted to do for a very long time. So I've made it no secret that my favourite wrestler is Kurt Angle. However... If Kurt Angle didn't exist, my answer to who's your favourite wrestler would probably be William Regal. And like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go too much into this, but before I started researching this episode, I had vague memories of Regal having like a decent heel run, which unfortunately ended when he was flagged by the WWE's substance abuse and drug testing policy. I hadn't rewatched it since 2008, so I didn't feel too strongly about it because I was a teenager at that point and I didn't pay too much attention to what was going on in Raw. But dude, like not a word of a lie. I rewatched this period of Regal's career and my jaw just fucking dropped to the fucking floor because William Regal was on form. He was on the run of his career. He was an excellent heel. And it's just a complete shame what happened. And we will get into that, but like just just wait until I do the roundup of what actually happened, man. Like I, I dare you to tell me it's not awesome. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't go make a dare like that, my friend, because I'll find a way to, to ruin it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I also liked how you said if William, uh, yeah, if Kurt Angle didn't exist, then your favorite wrestler would be William Regal, which yes. basically just means William Regal is your second favorite. It's a different way of saying it. Yeah, it's like a yeah. roundabout way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's your third favorite? Oh my god! Um, it's got to be Viscera. It's definitely Viscera. I mean, like, yeah. we haven't mentioned him at all so far. Season four is <laughs> off to a poor start when we're five minutes in and we've barely mentioned Viscera. <laughs> That's right. The ratings are just going so down. Yeah, I brought them back up again. People are like, oh, he said, he said the word. <laughs> <laughs> the first five minutes and haven't mentioned Viscera. Fuck this podcast. Uh, yeah, but Viscera. Why not? Viscera is my third favorite wrestler because he he excellent he, choice. He he, he 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 deserves to be in the same conversation as Kurt Angle and William Regal. You know, two technical, three technical wrestlers who just incredible mat work, promos, multiple incredible matches. So yeah. Oh but, yeah. Lord, yeah, across the world, everybody. Kurt Angle's wrestled all over the world in Japan, and and you yep. you know. William Regal, of course, well known across Europe. Mm. Viscera was a wrestler as well, so <laughs> he was. <laughs> so you can see the similarities. And good for I, him. Yeah, I'm going to very subtly move the conversation away from Viscera and talk about <laughs> William Regal again, really quickly, because you and me both, low key, legit, really love William Regal. He's yes. so good at what he does, and. Yes. This looked like the big shot that we had been begging for for years. Yeah. I mean, like, finally, William Regal's gonna 
He's won the King of the Ring. You know, it, it can only go up from here. And then, <laughs> you know, real life problems happen, which I don't necessarily think are all William Regal's fault. I mean, drugs are delicious. So. <laughs> and, and nutritious. Yeah. Yes. Well, they're all like, you know, some of them are like plant based, mm. which is you know, healthy. Yeah, exactly. They've got a lot of good nutrients in them. And mm. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, it's not like he turned up to work drunk. Am I right, fellas? You know, cut him <laughs> a little bit of slack here. <laughs> right? Well, there, well, there's some, like, um, I'll, I'll go into it a bit, but apparently the reason he was um, suspended was, now, this, this is the speculation at the time, as I was reading, like, Wrestling Observer and all of that, but um, apparently it was steroids, and because he was going for a big main event run. I think it was Brian Alvarez that reported that, um, you know, he's heard from a few sources that somebody in the company told him to, you know, if you're going to be a main event guy, you got to be big and, and you got to have muscles, and which is weird because, like, I couldn't imagine William Regal being a character who actually needs like a, a perfect physique, you know, because he's mm. just a uh, a big kind of a technical badass. But hey, well, tell you what, well, um, before we get into that, let's um, we've got some quick comments from the K5 community who have what? tweeted us. The K5 community who wait, wait till you hear this. They've tweeted us and Instagram does. Wait, 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 wait a second, Bryce. They tweeted yes. us and Instagram does. But how oh. could they do that unless they know what the Twitter and Instagram handle is? How can other people follow their suit? Oh, if only there was a Twitter handle and Instagram handle for at making kayfabe, then they could follow us and see all of our shit. That would be perfect, at making kayfabe, if anybody else wanted to contribute and may also have an appearance in this episode. Wink, wink. Exactly, exactly. And uh, you know how you um, subtly kind of dragged the conversation away from Viscera earlier I'm going to bring it right back into Viscera because we put out, we put out a tweet hyping this episode and like it was the king of the ring kind of a crown and there, there was an encouraging amount of support for Mabel slash Viscera uh, and the other guesses you know so it was Kevin Molnar who guessed uh, William Regal correctly but you know there's a lot of support there for Viscera so whether ironic or not at some point we got to get the people what they want I disagree wholeheartedly. Thank you. <laughs> we'll put it down to a vote. No uh, offense to anybody, but fuck the people. Anyway, he <laughs> <laughs> just cast out our listeners. <laughs> what did the lovely people have to say? On Instagram, John John underscore the Baptist underscore Villarreal says uh, of William Regal, literally one of the best ever. Mega underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pr- pretty much. Like, can't really say it better than that that's pretty much how, how i feel as well but what you go underrated is is the word um should have been should have been better especially when you find out what's going on in this heel run that's spot on spot on john on twitter uh, matthew dawkins says one of the best wrestlers and performers of the 1990s and 2000s could swing from deadly seriousness to farce far, 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 farcical comedy you got there yeah <laughs> what's this word uh, I, right, i'm a though, like that's one of the the things I love about William Regal is that he's got this wonderful like he has this lovely like comedic background. You can tell that he grew up in like Blackpool and he he loves yes. all these um old comedians that he used to see on stage. So he has a like an impeccable sense of humor and timing. He's wonderful with the timing, right? So he gets that from the comedy side, but the timing comes in really well when it comes to the seriousness and again this all ties into his promos as well you know he can do a really funny promo where he's ripping on those old comedians he used to remember but he's also such a good personality that he knows how to 
be really serious and and really like efficient and deadly almost with yes. his demeanor and his verbiage. It's just incredibly incredibly talented for him to be able to switch on the fly so quickly. He could even as a heel be that really funny comedic BB or you know that not a BB fist but that comedic style to it. Yes. And uh, it's just a joy to watch, you know. Yeah, it is. He's he's got a very wide range of what kind of character he can play, and like you know, you go from like the serious promos that you're going to hear in a little bit to you know things like um, dressing up as a uh, you know dressing up as Goldust an episode of Raw, <laughs> like um, you know Vegas, like uh, Vegas showgirl is the oh, one Vegas that showgirl. Gets can't, can't forget that. Yeah, he, he's um, so horrified, but then he's like, I can, I'll do a dance, yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's so good. Uh, kissing Vincent Man's ass, stuff like that. So yeah, absolutely spot on. Like the, the thing with Crime Time, remember yes. the dances doing with the hat. Like just like <laughs> so many funny moments, man. Like he's so good, man. P Dog uh, on Twitter says one of the greatest of all time, certainly the greatest British wrestler in my opinion. Taking everything into account, he's an all-rounder, technical master, acting, fire promos. He's got it all. Criminally underrated was hit with unfortunate missteps in his career. Now, I mean, yeah, fair point, P-Dog. Certainly the greatest wrestler, in my opinion. I don't know how people can go around saying that when you've got Rob Terry kicking around. But, you know, Regal's definitely second, right? Is he still kicking around? Is he still going? I don't know, man. (laughs) He had, like, one, like, two-year run run in TNA. I don't know. He did did his best. He has really big arms. Yeah, huge fucking traps yeah, going up to your fucking top of your head. Yeah, big. That's uh, you know, you know, you're in a good position when the best thing somebody has to say about you is why well, you had really big arms. Anyway, that's enough about that's enough about William Regal. Let's talk about Rob Terry. No, specifically his arms. <laughs> okay. Yeah, P Dog. In all seriousness, um, yeah, absolutely spot on. Um, I think the, the last kind of sentence there actually sums up. Just criminally underrated was hit with unfortunate missteps in his career, which is literally what this is going to be kind of focused on today. So, and um, what could have happened if he hadn't unfortunately taken those missteps? So, Chris Bellis says Regal to me is the best English wrestler to ever go over to the US. He is a legitimate technical marvel, a fantastic talker, and did both heel and face perfectly. If he came along today, he would be a world champion. Yeah. 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 I could imagine like a, a younger William Regal and like a, an AEW or NXT even, you know. Um, that's the thing. Like, exactly. You, you can imagine a young William Regal easily in the position Pete Dunne is in right now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Pete Dunne reminds me so much of William Regal. Just oh, yeah. one of those detestable heels. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what William Regal was. Hell yeah, man. Oh, but he's got the he's got the face as well. He you know, whenever he's being a real heel, Pete Dunne, hmm. you you see his face and like, oh, I want to punch that guy so hard. It's perfect, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. This uh, this tweet's gonna bring you um uh, bring some good memories back for you. So it's a wrestling with fiction podcast uh, at, at Corner of the Cooper. First of all, folks, go check it out. Fucking brilliant. He also does kind of uh, rebookings. Very 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 worth a listen. So go check him out. Wrestling with fiction. Uh, but he says one of the most versatile wrestlers WWE's ever had could play any role given to him. Was a super underrated promo, and he's got in brackets here. See his promo on Triple H in two thousand and four. It's a shame that he never won a world title. He is undoubtedly a future Hall of Famer. Fucking, like, I can't believe we got 10 minutes into this episode without talking about that promo. Um, yes. You know, about Eugene on Triple H. Oh my God. Fucking fire. Well, I believe we talked about that on a previous episode of this very show. I'm sure we did. I think it was, it must have been the Eugene episode. I imagine it's, it was It had Eugene, to be, yeah. like, I don't know why else we'd mention it. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. It was in the but, John Cena heel turn. We're like, this is how you do it, you <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> this is how you cut a promo. Um, Fucking incredible. Uh, great promo. Just 
probably my favorite of all time. It was only like two minutes long, but like just the way he kind of like his, his voice kind of like gets angrier and faster as the promo goes on, and just oh, dude, like fucking brilliant. Who else we got? CJ Palmasano. Not another wrestling podcast says Regal just absolutely knocked everything he did out of the park. He did everything perfectly, comedy, serious stuff, and even to his GM role on NXT, which is something that doesn't get mentioned too much actually. His GM role because he's been NXT GM for like long I don't know, time. like five years, eight years. I don't know, like a, a certainly a, a long ass time. And um, yeah, he's kind of a staple of that show. And like uh, I remember, he, he once upon a time he dabbled in commentary as well, which was awesome. Like he really kind of, uh, yes. kind of uh, sold the kayfabe with the moves, uh, telling you why they hurt and all of that, which I really enjoyed at the time. Yeah, I love it when the, you have a wrestler on commentary because they give you such an insight. You're like, this is, that's what you want, man. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like a wrestler's wrestler, not like a fucking JBL or something. But um, <laughs> JBL's commentary is like, when they punch you in the face, it really hurts. You're like, thanks. <laughs> Great insight. <laughs> Why well, punch the guy in the face? His face bleeding. You're like, thanks, JBL. <laughs> thanks for that, JBL. <laughs> no worries, Maggo. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. Yeah, I've been I've been working on my JBL accent. Holy shit, dude! <laughs> I didn't think. Out of all the accents we've been doing on this show, I didn't think JBL would be the one you were good at. No offense, I just didn't see that coming. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I thought, you know what, he's going to be really good at Drew McIntyre. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's Scottish, yeah. Like, he didn't even try, but no, but fuck it. <laughs> no, he's, he's from, he's from like, Air. I'm from Edinburgh. Um, but anyway... Thing. Andy McEwen, uh, good friend Andy McEwen. Hey. I'm that old. I remember him being a man's man. He's a man. <laughs> yeah, he had the he had the helmet, the construction helmet. Yeah, he had the axe. Yeah. <laughs> him driving a dagger for no reason. <laughs> he was one of the best. Never been bored of a regal match. Power the punch finisher to Duchess of Queensbury Rose match. If yes. WWE wanted a fed guy to run the Alliance invasion, should have been Regal. Great heel. Duchess oh, yeah. of Queensbury rules. That's that's like that was Jericho, right? That was against Jericho. Yeah, I remember that Our, man. Yeah. And that's such a good way to get heat on somebody because I remember watching it going, "Fuck this guy! He's changing the rules." Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's, that's not so fair. Good. He's been mean to Jericho. How dare he? How this villain? You know, which is exactly what you want from a from a heel. Yeah, exactly. And like I, the, the KFM community had a lot to say about Regal, so obviously very popular, very popular guy. Oh, so exactly. Very, you know, he, He's left yeah. a big impression on on almost everybody who watched uh, wrestling from that time period. Yeah, exactly. And uh, every, everyone has a favorite regal moment. You know, that's that's how I kind of feel about it. And as, as you saw there, a lot of different things mentioned from his GM role to Duchess of Queensbury to his comedy to all of that stuff. And like, but yeah, if you want to get involved and get yourself mentioned in the show, uh, just follow us at Making Kayfabe on Twitter or at Making Kayfabe on Instagram. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go into what did happen with William Regal's career at this critical point in 2008 before we go into the rebooking. Let's do a little catch-up on where we're at with William Regal. Alright, so quick note for seasoned making kayfabe listeners. Dylan and I have decided that rather than going into the whole history of a wrestler's career, we're going to do some more just in-depth focus on actual events surrounding the period we're rebooking, uh, which will hopefully give a better picture of why the particular situation was such a big missed opportunity or, you know, a massive cock-up because, um, uh, for, for example, we don't need to know anything about Regal's WCW run in relation to his King gimmick in 2008. So, Well, I think, I think the one thing you should mention is 
he used to beat the shit out of Fit Finley, and Fit Finley used to beat the shit out of him when they were in WCW. So that, if we're going to mention That's all you need to know. All you need to know is (laughs) Fit Finley and William Regal are really badass, and that's, remember William Regal being badass for this story. That's going to come up. Yes, exactly. Regal is a badass, so that's all you need to know. So... So yeah, the, the whole the whole Regal run started on the April twenty first two thousand and eight Raw, which was a free hour special at the time. By the way, uh, it's not yeah, so special, special no and, more. Yeah, that was a good thing at the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> obviously in hindsight, as we record this in twenty twenty one, it turns out you really can't have too much of a good thing. The the main focus of this episode of Raw was a, a one night King of the Ring tournament, which had eight competitors. So they would battle in a knockout knockout round throughout the night, with the winner being crowned the 2008 King of the Ring. So in the first round, you got Chris Jericho, who was a current Intercontinental Champion. He defeated MVP. Uh, you had CM Punk, who was a current Money in the Bank briefcase holder. He defeated Matt Hardy. Finley, who we just mentioned, Yay. defeated the Great Kali via disqualification. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it gets way to hear who else is in this tournament. Um, but he, he defeated the Great Kali via disqualification and it was because the Great Kali didn't listen to the referee's five count. So, like, to give a bit of context. Oh, okay. So, so like, Kali... Yeah, he had, like, Finley's... Uh, I mean, yeah, sort of, I don't know, or he just can't understand English, but he had <laughs> Finley's leg wrapped around the ring post and wouldn't let go despite the referee's warnings. So, Finley wins a match on a technicality, but he has a, a badly injured leg, which he'll have to deal with in his next round match. And the final match in the first round was William Regal, the current Raw general manager at the time, versus... Any guesses? Stevie Richards. Hornswoggle. Because I was thinking, like, was Stevie Richards still in the company by then? Oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Uh, but oh. no. <laughs> no, no, seriously. This, um, it actually was William Eagle versus Hornswoggle. This was immediately after the Finlay-Cali match. So, obviously, Hornswoggle was associated with Finlay at that point. So, Regal, Regal obviously, is a general manager, so he books his match for himself. So, he beats uh, Hornswoggle with the, the smallest Regal stretch of all time. And after the match, Regal kicks Finlay's leg out of his leg, and we go into the next segment. So, that means that the semi-finalists are Chris Jericho, CM Punk, Finlay, and William Regal. And, um, yeah, to, to, to digress for a moment. So, I did watch this entire show, and, like... Dude, a lot of weird shit happened, mm-hmm. or may- maybe not completely weird, but just uh, maybe maybe cer- certainly shit of note. Uh, so first off, I had to mention this. I couldn't. I just couldn't gloss over this. So this Monday Night Raw featured a match between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Oh no. Oh <laughs> no! It fucking happened. No, I, it actually happened. I forgot about this until you mentioned it. But now <laughs> that you said that, I do remember the bit where they got a Hillary Clinton impersonator and a Barack Obama impersonator. <laughs> Shock horror! Barack Obama didn't bother to turn up to Raw that night. Yeah, so they had to get an impersonator, and they did this busy. really weak ass shit. You know that comedy bullshit that the WWE think is funny. Yes. Oh god, Dude. it went on forever and you're like, hey, it's a wacky idea. Instead of watching this shit on a wrestling program, when you've just mentioned Fit Finley, William Regal, CM Punk, yeah. Chris Jericho, how about we see them fuckers and not the weak ass comedy shit, huh? 
unsurprisingly it was a fucking awful segment um but you know they actually they had a match and like the, the people who played uh obama wait, 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 Clinton, what like, what <laughs> they had a match they had an actual match but you know the thing is the, the people who played the character the characters they were workers like because they actually worked a match uh, a very brief match but it was a uh, it was interrupted by uh umaga so you know umaga came out and the referee just immediately called for the dq even though he hadn't actually done anything yet so maybe because WWE didn't want to pick sides because it's like the 2008 presidential election but umaga gave the simone spike to obama and he gave the simone drop to hillary clinton and that yeah. made the segment a lot better so Elsewhere on the show, I found out that Carlito and Santino Marella were the number one contenders for the tag team championships held by Hardcore Holly and a young Cody Rhodes. That I remember that, but I'm like, why Carlito and Santino Marella? What the fuck? They're heels. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is okay. That's a W. That's gonna be play. the genuine reason, though. They're heels and they're doing nothing else. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair play. That's what they're like. That's what that company's like, you know. I'm like, yeah, why exactly. did that happen? And you just say that, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. That's all Usually the explanation they needed. So exactly, exactly. And uh, also one more thing before we go back to King of the Ring. But there was also a diva segment in the show, and like, I swear to God, there, there was literally like twelve of them in this segment. I could maybe recognize four at most, like Beth Phoenix, Mickey James, Maria Canellas, and I think Ashley Massaro. But like, just no fucking memory of any of the others in this segment. I was actually baffled that I couldn't recognize anyone. But um, you know, that's that's the that's the days where you know characters like Beth Phoenix and Mickey James were carrying things back then because yeah. like um, you know they weren't really doing anything else with the division at the time. Back to King of the Ring. CM Punk versus Chris Jericho. That was an interesting match, and there was a kind of few moments of miscommunication between them, but which was interesting because they go on to have several great matches in the future. But it was good for what it was, but too short to truly enjoy. Only six minutes long, but CM Punk won that, so he goes to the final. And in the second semi-final, it's William Regal versus Finlay. So Finlay, of course, has an injured leg at this stage thanks to the assault from the Great Kali and Regal making it worse post-match. And at this point, like. I just want to say how fucking how fucking fierce Regal is looking here. He he's like a, a mecha Regal at this point, like just a proper brutal bastard. Um, you know, this is another good short match. It wasn't a squash. Finlay got some offense, but unfortunately for Finlay, Regal is just a vicious cunt. So Regal wins with the Regal stretch by referee stoppage since Finlay refused to quit. But Regal in this match, man, he's a fucking killer. But see, this, in the final, this plays back to their. WCW days when they used to beat the piss out of each other. I told you it would yeah. be relevant. There we go. There Thank you, you very much. There you go. I've been proven wrong. <laughs> I actually did have a match between Regal and Finlay, so there you go. Um, in the final, it's Regal versus CM Punk. And like honestly, I was quite disappointed by the match, being that it's between two of my favourites. CM Punk's right after Viscera, of course. Um, four, of course. <laughs> but the match lasted just four minutes, um, half of which was kind of rest holds. So Regal wins by uh, legitimately with the Regal stretch. But at one point, he's just like, before he puts on the Regal stretch, he's just fucking clubbing Punk in the back of the neck repeatedly, which was just incredibly awesome. But Regal wins the match thanks to thanks to what some might say is an easy road to the finals because he beat Hornswoggle and then George Finlay, comparing to Punk uh, having to go through Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho. So that's important to remember that. But Regal walks up the entrance ramp, he sits in the King's throne. William Regal is now the King and General Manager of Monday Night Raw. So... We go to next week, Raw, Raw, April 28th. And let me just get the, the obvious highlight of this show out of the way first. JBL versus Highlander Robbie. <laughs> oh, you can do your JBL impression. 
<laughs> and my Highlander Robbie impression. Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Uh, you have to. But, no, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's nice. <laughs> too, too much of a good thing. We talked about that earlier. On the show, we had uh, William Regal's official King of the Ring coronation, which essentially is William Regal sitting in the middle of the ring on a throne. He cuts a really good promo here where he declares that he is not going to relinquish his position as general manager despite being king. He's earned both titles and he plans to keep them. He says, as general manager and king, I have become the most powerful entity in WWE. From this day forward, I am your ruler, I am your better, I am your superior. He then gets interrupted by entrance music. It's none other than super popular babyface in 2008, Ken Kennedy. Kennedy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like leaping up. I'm like, is he going to do it or am I going <laughs> to I had to put it in there. You have to do it. Kennedy. Kennedy's grumpy that he wasn't invited to participate in King of the Ring. Uh, and no wonder, because fucking great Callie and Hornswoggle were. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fair enough. So he challenges Regal to find out who the real king is. And Regal demands an apology for Kennedy interrupting him. Kennedy doesn't apologise, and Regal just fucking decks him. They brawl, they get pulled apart by referees, the whole shebang. But here is where the shit gets just really, really good. Like, mate, you're in for a fucking wild ride here. So, main event, it's Triple H versus Randy Orton for the WWE title. However... And an angle which I totally forgot about, which and which I think is just fucking genius. There's an abrupt camera change halfway through the match, and it cuts to the production truck where you know they've got the cameras and shit. And William Regal has just entered the production truck, so he walks through the truck and he goes to the desk where you know the guys are there making sure that there are at least six camera cuts per second. Uh, and he gets in the ear of one of them and says. Did you see how people disrespected me tonight? I'm the king and general manager, and from today and every day forward, nobody's going to ever disrespect me again. These people don't deserve to see the conclusion of this championship match. Please take it off the air. Of course, they ignore him. Orton and Triple H are still wrestling. The show's still alive. So Regal, he gets more aggressive, and he grabs one of the guys, shouting, Take it off the bloody air, over and over again. And then it cuts to black, and all we hear is the commentary of Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, and then the show ends. And that's it. That's the end of the show. Like, legitimately, that is the end of the episode of Raw, which is fucking incredible. Like, what an angle. Regal is so power-hungry that he has made himself the reason why nobody can watch Raw. It's all because of him, the general manager and the king. Dude, that is a fucking great segment, and you need to watch it again, because I was just blown away with how incredible it was. Yeah, I mean that's a great angle, isn't it? Yeah. Great angle. Raw ends because of Regal. That literally, like he he is the main focus of the show at this point. He has to be, and that continues into next week because the intro package to next week's Raw is all Regal. It's completely focused on Regal and his actions last week, from his coronation to him forcing Raw to go off the air. And Vince McMahon, he opens the show, and he addresses Regal pulling the plug, and he says, "I find Regal's actions to be innovative and daring." I find him to be visionary. William Regal uh, reminds me a lot of me, which is why I'm here to give 100% support and endorse William Regal as your king and general manager. And he asked the crowd to show Regal all the respect they have for him, Vince McMahon. So, like, this was undoubtedly William Regal's main event run. He is the focus of this show. He's doing some of the best work of his career. 
And William Regal, he's he's then introduced by Lillian Garcia. He, he's called the most powerful entity in WWE. He gets in the mic and he warns the crowd that if they don't respect him, the crew backstage will turn off the lights at his discretion. And the crowd chant, Regal sucks. So he literally turns off the lights in the arena. Uh, you know, just turns off the lights. It goes dark, basically. Um, and again, just showing his power. He keeps them off for a good minute and the lights uh, only turn off by his instructions. So the show, he says, this show will go on, but you might not see it. I'm willing to have this entire show in darkness. I will not tolerate being disrespected any longer. And then he's interrupted by Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy. <laughs> got, in, got in that time. There we go. That's one each. Uh, Kennedy challenges Regal to a one-on-one match, one -on -one match again. But Regal, he instead books Ken Kennedy versus the ECW champion Kane and the WWE Tag Team Champions John Morrison and The Miz and the Money in the Bank winner CM Punk and Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> just, in just, fact, just nothing else for Chavo to do. <laughs> he's got to fit in there somewhere, but William Regal decides that Ken Kennedy will be facing the entire ECW roster as a favour to ECW general manager Armando Estrada for promoting the 100th episode of ECW the following night. And then, you know, boom, it's time to play the game. Triple H comes out, WWE Championship over his shoulder. Triple H congratulates Regal on his newfound position of power and wants to offer Regal some friendly advice. And the advice is that if Regal would like to stay general manager, he shouldn't make mistakes. Like last week when Regal turned off the lights on his match. And he warned Regal that if he wants to keep his position of power, that he does not want to go to war with Triple H. It's a very and good so Regal, as well. You're incredible at the impressions today. Thank you. I'm knocking, knocking him down. Like, I don't know. Who else can I do? We'll see. But Regal decides to change the main event. So it's now the entire ECW roster versus Kennedy and Triple H. 14 against 2. Regal leaves expressionless and still very much in power. Elsewhere in the show, Trevor Murdoch sings karaoke to Tristratus. Uh, there's a match. Let's <laughs> just gloss, gloss over that one. There's a match in the show where Paul Burchill and Katie Lee, which was in the middle of their incest storyline, uh, versus John Cutler. But before the match begins, Regal comes out and he demands that Jim Ross's microphone is silenced. He then brings out Mike Adamley to call the match, which is what the fuck is going on? Like, Mike Adamley, Jerry Laurel, they call the match. Adamley's first line is literally. Ooh. When you say they called the match, you mean Jerry Lawler called the match. Jerry Lawler called the match and carried Adam Lee. And yeah. literally, Adam Lee's, Adam Lee's first line was, his first line as a return to commentary was, we don't know much about Cutler, other than his name rhymes with Butler. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just start, start as you mean to go on. Anyway, like, <laughs> the Still 14 wrong. on 2. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It doesn't know. Butler, Cutler, Butler. Okay, fair enough. But uh, I mean, yeah, uh, you're immediately just asking for Jim Ross to come back because <laughs> he's uh, he's showing everyone why he barely lasted a cup of coffee as Rosalie announcer. But the 14 on 2 handicap match main event takes place. And by the way, those 14 men so you've got Kane, you've got John Morrison, you've got The Miz, you've got CM Punk. You've got Chavo Guerrero, you've got Shelton Benjamin, you've got Tommy Dreamer, you've got Jamaican Kofi Kingston, you've got Bam Neely, you've got Elijah Burke, mm -hmm. you've got 
Mike Knox. Yes. You've got Matt Stryker. Uh-huh. You've got Nunzio. Oh. And Stevie fucking Richards. Yeah, to my boy. Absolute delight. Fucking Stevie Richards is there in the background just being Stevie Richards. Um, as a side note, uh, the, the ECW zombie was busy that night, I think. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, the, the match goes five minutes and 43 seconds, and thankfully ECW win, thanks to a Chavo Guerrero frog splash on Ken Kennedy, which of course means that Stevie fucking Richards holds a televised victory over Triple H while he was WWE champion. So, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> this this just went from good to great. Exactly. I don't see Viscera with that kind of pedigree. Ah, Pat, oh. you see that? I don't punch. <laughs> Next week on Raw, Viscera defeats Triple H. Uh, <laughs> I think at that time, wouldn't he have been Big Daddy V? And, uh, was he in yeah, ECW? Where the fuck was he? Maybe he wasn't this time. I don't know. Matt Stryker was there, so I don't know. Like, Matt Stryker managed him at one point, but I don't know, man. That's that's that's, that's a good point. Where was where was Big Daddy V? But, really prick. Yeah. But, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, post-match, Triple H literally takes out the whole fucking ECW roster. I'm not even joking. Like He couldn't beat them in the match, but as soon as he loses, Triple H can single-handedly kick the ass of 14 guys, yeah, which is incredible. Right? Like, um, man. Yeah, just ridiculous. But Raw, May 12th, and the, uh, the, the show begins in darkness, the lights turn on, and there is William Regal standing in the ring with Lillian Garcia, who... I shit you fucking not, is singing God Save the Queen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's fucking genius as well. Like, at this stage, I just can't get over how much of a fucking incredible Hugh William Regal was at this point in time, because Lillian Garcia, who, she's sung the American National Anthem at so many WWE shows, and now she's been forced by the King and General Manager William Regal to sing the British National Anthem in front of, like, Detroit, Michigan. Fucking rabid crowd. Like, just fucking insane heat he got from this. It was absolutely incredible. And then William Regal leaves the ring because because of disrespect, and he starts throwing fans out of the arena. Like, he picks a, a random... Yeah, he picks a random couple at ringside. Uh, plants, obviously, but... Uh, and then in the most random moment ever, Mickey James runs down to the ring and says, no, this is my brother and his girlfriend. So huh. Regal gets in the ring, Mickey James follows him, Regal threatens to strip her of the Women's Championship, and then John Cena comes out. And Cena... She, he ushers Mickey out of the ring and he tells Regal that he has to speak with him man to man and he says that Regal was going about things the very wrong way. You know, Regal disagrees. He mentions that Vince McMahon endorsed him last week and John Cena's argument is that Vince McMahon is insane. Good point. <laughs> yep. John Cena starts reading out anti-Regal emails which were sent to the WWE. Must uh, be fake. they got to be fake. they got to be fake, yeah, exactly. But... That, that somehow convinces Regal to not turn off the lights during any matches this week. So Regal books Cena versus Orton for the main event because there is a match we haven't seen a hundred times at this point in 2008. And uh, Cena, a lambast Regal for having Lillian Garcia sing God Save the Queen. This is America, pal. Yeah, we uh, don't sing. <laughs> yeah, we... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> Elsewhere in the show, Ken Kennedy is forced to face Big Brown Teeth, Gene Snitsky. He wins a women's tag team match, lasts 1 minute and 24 seconds, which is standard for women's wrestling at the time. Jeff Hardy returns to Raw after a suspension. Uh, Regal welcomes him back by cutting his mic mid-promo. He says that he doesn't want to hear he doesn't want to hear Jeff's mea culpa and that he must be punished for his sins, which is 
irony based on what's about to happen next week. But uh, but he books a match against Umanga, and uh, the match lasts one second less than the women's tag match at one minute twenty-three. Jeff wins. The main event comes. It's John Cena versus Randy Orton. Halfway through the match, Wyoming Eagle makes JBL the special guest referee. Uh, JBL is feuding with Cena at the time, obviously, so it's a dig at Cena. Orton wins via an extreme fast count from JBL. So then Judgment Day 2008 comes and goes, and there's not a whole lot of involvement from William Regal. Somewhere around this time, Regal gets busted by WWE substance abuse and drug testing policy. It was his second violation, more on that shortly. And Raw, May 19th, which is unfortunately the end of Regal, and uh, any any sniff of a main event Monster Heel Regal run. So... During the show, Regal appears in the ring. He makes a few matches for a one-night stand, which will be in a couple of weeks. He gets interrupted by Kennedy for the third time in four weeks. Kennedy then demands a one-on-one match against William Regal again. Regal again claims, claims disrespect, deja vu basically. He's tired of being interrupted, so he warns Kennedy and everybody in the audience that the next person who comes out and interrupts him will be fired on the spot. And then here comes Vince McMahon. So, you know, Vince comes out, he confronts Regal and Kennedy... He speaks about Regal, um, you know, saying that ever since he gave his endorsement to Regal as king and general manager, WWE has received more viewer complaints than ever in its history. Viewer dissatisfaction abounds, he says. And he continues and he says, We're the highest rated television show in all of cable, but when Regal is on screen, the ratings apparently plummet. Um, which is fucking bullshit, I don't believe it. Vincent Mann says he doesn't like Kennedy and the fans don't like Regal, so he books a career versus career match for later that night. Ken Kennedy versus Regal. Loser gets fired. Well, see and you later, Kennedy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's clearly where the storyline's going. Match takes place. Ken Kennedy versus Regal. Midway through the match, Regal uses his powers as general manager to make the match an ODQ match. He grabs the brass knuckles with Kennedy down and out in the ring. And Kennedy wins anyway by using the making kayfabe favourite, a kick right to the boss, and hitting the finisher for the 1-2-3. William Regal was fired. It's all over. And, of course, this was down to William Regal's uh, drug policy failures, which I mentioned earlier. Um, he was suspended, so WWE had to think of a quick way to write him off television. And, yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but in Figure 4 Weekly, uh, June 2nd, 2008, Brian Alvarez said of the situation, my personal belief, and others have echoed this, is that Regal got the big push of King of the Ring and was being moved into a more serious, active in-ring role until so somebody, not management, another wrestler, suggested to him that he get on the gas, a.k.a. steroids, since, uh, you know, look at how big all those main eventers are. And then he failed and got busted. So, yeah, it seems like someone kind of convinced him to bang some roids and he got caught. And yeah, I don't know how much to read into that, to be honest. Like I said, I don't perceive Regal as wanting to be a big kind of totally freakazoid like ripped guy, you know, like fucking William Steiner. But that was a rumor going around at the time. Brian Alvarez wrote uh, that one of his sources said that Vince probably can't be talked into pushing Regal at this level ever again. And I doubt anyone would ever attempt to for a while, which was true. I mean, never did get pushed again. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to shoot from the hip here. But up until it got quickly derailed because of the suspension this was the best fucking storyline ever Regal was incredible incredible and I'm not going to rebook any of that because it's fucking perfect I'm just going to continue things and explore where WB could have went if it was not for Regal's error in judgement shall we say so I'm going to pick up the rebooking after the crazy 14 on 2 handicap match with Triple H Ken Kennedy Kennedy 
and the entire ECW roster. Dylan, you got any points you want to bring up before I dive into this? I'm really excited, dude. I think, like, the way you described the whole storyline, it did sound really, really good. So I like the idea of you starting, like, right now. Not mm-hmm. changing any of that stuff that already happened, because for perfect. once... Yeah, for once, they did a fucking good job in yes. amongst in amongst Trevor Murdoch singing karaoke to Trish or whatever the fuck. <laughs> or any of that other garbage. We're not for too long, did we? <laughs> yeah, well, for, for good reason. But, like, <laughs> you know, in amongst their one-minute women's matches and all the other bullshit they're doing, they actually did something really interesting by pushing somebody into the main event scene. And it seemed really interesting. And I get a shot for William Regal, who honestly deserves it. Yes. So I think because they've done such a surprisingly good job of the build-up to this point, I think it's a really good idea for you to, to just take it up right from that point and and finish the story. And uh, I think I speak for everybody listening, we're, we're all very excited to see where you take it. Oh, yeah, man. Let, let's go into it. Let, let's have, fucking rebook what would have I, happened. I have one question. Yes. Which you probably already know is coming. But yes. is Stevie Richards involved with the rebooking, oh, or will man. we find out? Will we find out? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to give any false hype because he's not. He's not involved. Hey, he can't this, just, hey, yeah, he can't be in the dude, mall. He can't. Be you can't mall. just involve Steve Richards in a storyline. There's no, got to no. be something mega to involve Steve Richards. Steve Richards can't just walk into a storyline. You know, he's, yeah. he's you got to build around him, man. He's exactly. going to be the focus. Yeah. Yes, oh, but in that case, yeah, exactly. You wouldn't want Stevie Richards to overshine William Regal in this storyline. That's not exactly. what we're about here. This is f- yes. Like if Stevie Richards was involved in this, that's yeah. all we'd be talking about. So we gotta, you gotta give somebody else a go, Stevie. This is um, this is Regal's episode. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Stevie Richards focus. can take. He can take. He can take one step back for like one week. Yeah, you know? dude. Like, just give him a week off. Exactly. Yeah. Like, just that, that's enough, Stevie Richards. He got a mention earlier, so you know that that should be enough for him today. So. Anyway, let's rebook Regal. William Regal, he's just made an example of Ken Kennedy and Triple H. So he had the entire ECW roster, including Steve Richards, uh, hey. beat them down, <laughs> uh, beat them down, and embarrass them. So Regal showed exactly what happens when you fuck with the most powerful entity in the WWE. So Triple H, he's a smart cookie. You know, they don't call him the Cerebral Assassin for nothing, right? So he saw what happened last week when he pissed off Regal. And because he's an intelligent guy, he knows that he can't possibly keep doing that without facing severe repercussions week after week. Triple H, honestly, he's just content with being the the WWE champion. If he fucks with William Regal, he might not be champion much longer because Regal's only one straw away from making a 14-on-1 match for the WWE title, you see? So... And even his father-in-law, Vince McMahon, has given Regal his endorsement, so he can't, ev- he can't even go to Vinnie Mac and complain. So our boy, Trippers, he's, he's going to keep his distance from William Regal. Trippers. <laughs> well, I don't know why that one got me, but Trippers. <laughs> trippers, yeah, we Trippers. Do you remember we, back we, when... We um, Trippers. <laughs> we, tri- <laughs> we Trippers. <laughs> All right, we Trippers. I think we Trips. <laughs> Uh, do you remember like this is totally off off of um what we're talking about but there was one week uh, on raw in like 2000 or something where jim ross was trying to get over a nickname for triple h and it was uh, a <laughs> try <laughs> like short for triple try <laughs> 
I don't remember this at all. You're going to have to tell me exactly what episode of Raw that is oh, so man, I can check that out. Because... I'll find out. I swear to God they were saying it in OSW review or something, but like, yeah, just try. Try. That can't be. <laughs> I, what, I swear to is, God, man. It's, it's, it's what it what? what? I swear to God, bro. What is wrong with this company? I don't know, man. But, I mean, that's that to me is hilarious. But, <laughs> anyway... Wee trips. Uh, as far as he's concerned, the further away he is from Regal's bad side, the easier life is going to be. So, with that in mind, there's going to be a segment on Raw next week, which has Triple H apologising for his actions last week. You know, he started to talk about how he and Regal were tag team partners once upon a time in WCW, and how they've respected each other since, and how he doesn't want Regal becoming the most powerful entity in WWE to get in the way of their friendship. So, you know, turning off the lights during the match with Randy Orton, booking him to face 14 guys it's all water under the bridge as far as he's concerned while regal he looks down he looks down his nose at triple h but he's satisfied that the game has met his final boss and that triple h won't be causing any more problems anymore and before the segment ends triple h says anything you need i'm your man because historically triple h has always been 100 percent trustworthy true to his word yes. What a lovely job. Well, Triple H, you said this, and I take it at face value, so no more will be said about it. I'll see you later, little trippers. <laughs> we, we, we trips. We trips. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, on the other hand, Ken Kennedy, God bless him. Kennedy. Uh, bit of a... Kennedy. Yeah. Bit, bit of a dumbass, and it, it was never portrayed... <laughs> He was never really portrayed as an intelligent man, so, you know, he doesn't take a telling. Um, you know, he got his ass kicked by 14 guys last week. Who the fuck cares? He wants Regal. He's not the type to stand for getting pushed around, and so he's going to persist with William Regal until he gets his one-on-one match with the King. And Kennedy is going to poke the bear. He's going to tempt his fate by cutting a promo on Regal, and Kennedy is going to criticise Regal's King of the Ring victory. And he's going to call it a phony victory. Uh, I mean, remember, in the quarterfinals, Regal beat Hornswoggle, a man half his size. Uh, in the semifinals, he beat Finlay, a man with half his legs. And that was only a te- technicality because Finlay didn't submit to Regal and the ref called for the belt. And then he went on to face CM Punk, who already had been worn down by Matt Hardy and Jericho. So it was an easy one for him, basically. And Regal ain't happy with this straight-up disrespect. He's, he's thrown everything at Kennedy, literally an entire fucking roster. And Kennedy is still being a pain in the ass. So he's going to rub Kennedy out himself. But he is the most powerful man in WWE. He can do things his way. So Regal says to Kennedy, fair enough. You know, if you think you should be king of the ring, then I shall give you an opportunity to prove it. Uh, However, I had to beat CM Punk in the final of the tournament, and I will not dignify your challenge with a response until you have done the same thing. So prove that you are better than my latest opponent, and maybe the king shall deem you worthy. So hey, we have CM Punk versus Ken Kennedy, and you know what? This is is two young, up-and-coming stars... In 2008, CM Punk hasn't yet reached the heights of the Summer of Punk and the legendary status it brought him. Uh, Also in 2008, Ken Kennedy hasn't yet reached the heights of being fired because of a botched move in Randy Orton. So, you know, these guys both have bright futures. Well, that's what I was going to say. If I may interrupt you for one second, I do apologize. But I remember in 2008, a lot of people were talking about Ken Kennedy. They were like, like, he's going to be the next guy. They look legit. They were like, he's going to be the next guy. And... They saw CM Punk as like, 
a nice addition to the roster, but you could yes. tell that in the at the time in the WWE, they saw Ken Kennedy as the main event guy, and CM Punk is just some other fucking schmuck. And you're like, yeah. how stupid you gotta be? <laughs> and we yeah. already know the answer. <laughs> we have the benefit of hindsight. We know exactly how stupid this company can be. I cough loudly. Alexa Bliss and the Fiend. I cough loudly again. But like, <laughs> I think I, I think I, I think I hit that pretty well. Yeah. You know? so, good job, good job. Thanks, you really disguised that. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's 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 so silly how Ken Kennedy, unfortunately, and I like to be honest with you, I like Kennedy. I thought he was. Dude, he was, I was going to say that I enjoyed Ken Kennedy when yeah, I was a kid. He was like, he was good. He was, the guy yeah. could talk, right? And he was okay yeah. in the ring. It didn't matter how good he was in the ring. He was one of those guys where he could talk you into the match, right? Yes, he gives exactly. a shout out. He gives a shit how good he is in the ring. He can talk you into it. And he can yeah. carry himself enough in the match to not be the drizzling shit. So that's all you need, right? Yeah. Yeah. And But it's so funny how they looked at Ken Kennedy and were like, that's the guy. And they look at CM Punk and they're like, man, nobody's going to buy this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly, man. Exactly. And um, yeah, it's um, like they, they, they had a little bit of light focus on CM Punk at the time. Like he holds the money in bank briefcase at this time uh, and he was in the final of the King of the Ring. But like he, he was nowhere near the kind of as popular he, as he would get with WWE fans. You know, like he was, uh, you know, it, it was it was a few years away from the summer of punk and um, basically. So um, and, uh, you know, raised phrase record breaking title reign and all that. Not record breaking, but 400 odd days, I remember. So um, but yeah. So anyway, like we're, we're going to make this a. Uh, Ken Kennedy versus CM Punk, uh, hard fought 20 minute match. And in this match, there's going to be no clear winner because during the double down spot, there's going to be some interference, which is not from William Regal, though. It's from Finlay, of all people. And Finlay, he's going to come down to the ring, he's going to hit the ring, and he's going to attack Punk and Kennedy, especially Kennedy, with his shillelagh. And he's going to do a, a big old assault on these two young stars as William Regal walks slowly down to the ring. And when Regal enters the ring, he isn't the next subject of Finlay's assault. No, Finlay doesn't even look at him. Instead, he stacks the two men on top of each other, like in the middle of the ring, leaves under the bottom rope, and has a word in Lillian Garcia's ear. And soon after, Lillian Garcia announces, ladies and gentlemen, as per the orders of the most powerful entity in the WWE, our king and general manager, this match is now a handicap match. King William Regal versus CM Punk and Ken Kennedy. And of course, Kennedy and Punk have just had their asses kicked by Finlay. They're stacked on top of each other in the middle of the ring. So all Regal has to do is stick his foot on the pile for a pinfall. One, two, three. William Regal has defeated CM Punk and Ken Kennedy at the same time in seconds. So Finlay, he enters the ring again. And he begrudgingly holds William Regal's hand in the air, signifying his victory. And he leaves with a scowl on his face. Something's going on with Regal and Finlay, but we'll talk about that later because Regal's still celebrating in the ring and he's taking his sweet fucking time uh, because it's his show. He can do whatever he wants. And let me just take a quick step back here to really emphasize the situation we're in right now because William Regal, he's a general manager. He's literally a fucking king. He can book himself in any match he wants. He can force others to do anything he wants. And I want to drive this home because he is the most powerful entity in the WWE and he can do whatever he wants without any fear of repercussions because he's got um, you know, a blessing from Vince McMahon. And like, that much has been proven with everything he's done already. So we are booking an extremely powerful, chaotic, evil character here. So which just I fucking loved. So anyway, we find out that William Regal, he's got Finley by the balls. So after the Not assault literally. from Drake... 
not literally. It doesn't have him by the balls, but you know, it has him by the balls. Yeah. Um, you know, so but <laughs> after the assault from Great Cali and William Regal, Finlay, he was gonna call it a day in his career. Um, you know, in two thousand and eight he was fifty years old, so it seemed like a good idea. However, Regal blocked this retirement. And he says that Finlay still had a year left in his contract and he would only retire then or when William Regal gave him permission. And to rub salt into the wounds more, Regal says that Finlay will be his royal guard who is responsible for the protection of the king. If Finlay refuses, then Regal knows someone who has more than a year left on a WWE contract, Finlay's son, Hornswoggle. And... Regal uh, will basically be making Hornswoggle's life hell if Finlay doesn't act as Regal's royal guard. So he's forced into doing this and protecting Regal at all costs. And um, by the way, uh, F- did did you know that F- Finlay's real son, David Finlay Jr., is actually one half of the Impact Tag Team Champions right now? Yes, I did. Yeah, and he's like a very serious wrestler too. And like he's on the New Japan roster. He's one tag gold there as well. And I just wanted to say that I found it extremely hilarious that in kayfabe, his brother's a leprechaun. <laughs> okay. It's true. Well, yeah, NK babe, I suppose. I really didn't think this is where the conversation was going to go because William <laughs> Regal also has a son who is dabbling in professional wrestling. And I thought it was going to be some kind of... Nope, you brought it back to leprechauns. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you should love that. You're Irish. <laughs> anyway, Ken Kennedy still not happy. He still wants a piece of Regal. Uh, you know, Ken Kennedy, he's the herpes of professional wrestling. He's going to keep coming back no matter what. <laughs> Once again, on Raw, Ken Kennedy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, really, really um, aesthetic imagery here. Uh, but... Once again on Raw, Ken Kennedy is going to come out and try to interrupt Regal, except he can't get past Finlay, who stands in his way. He's preventing Kennedy from approaching the king. So Finlay, he holds up his shillelagh, and even even Ken Kennedy ain't dumb enough to try and beat up Finlay with that weapon. So he knows what happened to him last week. So Ken Kennedy, he cuts a promo from afar at Regal, and he says he wants a piece of Regal so bad that he'll happily fight Regal with one arm tied behind his back. And William Regal... The king, the general manager, he considers the stipulation. And you know what? Fuck it, he thinks, presumably. He likes the sound of that. Another easy victory over Kennedy, why not? So he books the match for later. It's going to be Ken Kennedy versus William Regal, with Kennedy having one arm tied behind his back. And meanwhile on the show, we have an interview backstage with CM Punk, the current Money in the Bank briefcase holder. So he gets asked about the match last week and how King Regal had Finlay come out and attack him with a shillelagh. And, you know, he's, he's very laid back about it all. He says, hey, I'm just going to do my own thing here. I think that while we've got this tyrant ruling the roost, it just makes sense to stay the hell out of his way. As long as I've got this, and he pats his Money in the Bank briefcase, I'm cool. So yeah. Just to tie up that part of the storyline, much like Triple H, CM Punk plans to stay the fuck out of Regal's way. He too is a smart man. And anyway, we get to the main event of the show. Ken Kennedy comes out, does his entrance, and then has one hand tied behind his back by the referee as per the stipulation. But his entrance music simmers down, and then he waits in the ring for King Regal to come out. But, you probably guessed it, there's no Regal. Instead, Motorhead plays over the PA system and WWE Champion Triple H starts power walking down to the ring with a big pissed off expression on his face. Ken Kennedy looks at Triple H entering the ring like a fucking oncoming freight train and he is tied to the tracks metaphorically. 
almost literally with one arm tied behind his back. In Triple H, he lays one big punch in at the forehead of Kennedy and the match starts. And this is just going to be an all-out assault. Kennedy doesn't have a freaking chance against the WWE champion with one hand tied behind his back. And to make matters worse, King Regal is going to come out and declare the match is no disqualification. But if anyone tries to come out and help Ken Kennedy, you know, be the hero, then they will be fired on the spot. So Regal is making damn sure that Kennedy doesn't have a hope in hell of surviving this. So Triple H, he kicks Kennedy's ass all over the arena until they get to the door of King Regal's office. And Triple H knocks on the door, Regal opens, and then Triple H forces a bloody, beaten and battered Ken Kennedy to kiss the boot of William Regal. And the crowd are going to boo venomously because, once again, Regal has done whatever the hell he wants and is shown once again that you do not fuck with a king. And do you know what else this was? This was Triple H trying to buy himself a favour from the king. You know, he's all too aware that his own disrespect is still a recent memory for the king. So he just wants to make damn sure that the king knows that Triple H is on his side. After all, they're the Blue Bloods, King Regal. And Triple H, sorry, King Regal thanks Triple H and the show ends there with a close-up of Kennedy's bloody face as a, a result of a hellacious beating from the game. And next week, you got Triple H in the ring bragging about how he helped the King out by disposing of that piece of trash, Ken Kennedy. You know, he's really proud of himself and you know what? He should be. He shined himself in a good light in front of the King and now things are going to be even easier for him as WWE Champion. So King Regal, he comes out and he thanks Triple H for helping get rid of that miserable toe rag, Ken Kennedy. But then Regal, he has a quick point to make. He has a conundrum, should you say. You see, believe it or not, as much as Regal hates to admit it, Ken Kennedy was the next person in line for a shot to Triple H's WWE Championship. Kennedy was the number one contender because outside of his last two matches, he was in a fierce winning streak. And now, with a pay-per-view next Sunday, which just so happens to be the Great American Bash, William Regal, as general manager, is in quite the pickle. He'll have to assign a new challenger for Triple H's WWE title at the big show. So he decides. He'll host a tournament tonight. Yes, a tournament. A one-night tournament to decide who is the new number one contender for the WWE title. But let's be 100% clear. This is not King of the Ring because there's only one king in the WWE, and that is King Regal. So Regal is about to name the men who will feature in the tournament. But then Regal swerves. He's not hosting a tournament at all. He sneakily puts on brass knuckles and he decks Triple H, leaving the game lying unconscious in the middle of the ring. And King Regal is going to get in the mic and he's going to say, a number of years ago, I told you, Triple H, that if you wanted a fight, then you should look no bloody further than me. Five years later, this still applies because the challenger for your WWE Championship at the Great American Bash... It's me, Sunshine, the king, the general manager, and the most powerful entity in the WWE. I will see you on Sunday. And then William Regal leaves. So, of course, the cerebral assassin has been out-cerebraled, if that's a word. Uh, I think it is, yeah. I think you're okay. Out yeah. Does does one cerebral? I don't know. But, um, (laughs) yeah. How does does one cerebral? Yeah. I'm off for a good cereb, you know what I'm saying? I was cerebling the other day, you know, so. (laughs) That doesn't sound right, does it? It doesn't, no. It's probably not a word, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, Triple H, by, by taking out Ken Kennedy in such a brutal fashion, he's effectively just played right into Regal's hand because Regal needed somebody to render Ken Kennedy mobile for a while so that he could slot right into the championship picture. So 
Regal is absolutely unstoppable. How many people like that can outsmart Triple H and, and leave him lying in the middle of the ring like that? So, anyway, pay-per-view is this Sunday. It's a Great American Bash 2008. And in the main event, uh, you've got Triple H versus King William Regal for the WWE Championship. And we're making it the main event of the show because some shit is going to go down here, let me tell you. Before we get the match, we're going to see a little backstage segment with William Regal and the Royal Guard Finlay. And the two are going to be arguing. Finlay is catching wind that Regal is probably going to have him involved tonight in some way because Regal is a dastardly villain and Finlay wants no piece of that. You know, he's done enough hard gun work and all he really wants to do is retire in peace. And Regal's having none of it though. He chews Finlay out, shouting directly into his face, and all Finlay can do is sit and take it. King William Regal shouts at his royal guard, making his position clear, saying, Until I win that WWE title, peasant, you will serve as the king's royal guard. Do you understand me? And Finlay nods, and he walks away. So now we get to the main event, and Triple H, he's a fighting champion. He's going to get the upper hand in this match right from the start. So he'll start levelling shots of frustration at his opponent's forehead and Regal isn't going to be able to resist it. Eventually, the brawl spills to the outside with Triple H pummeling William Regal upon the announcer's desk. Suddenly, though, William Regal, he's had enough. It pulls the brass knuckles from his tights and once again, decks Triple H right in front of the referee. And obviously, that's an offence worthy of a disqualification. So all the ref can do is ring the bell. He rings the bell and, and Triple H is announced as a winner uh, as a result of a disqualification. But Regal has other ideas. He gets in the mic and he announces, Oh no, that's not how tonight is ending. Not on my watch, not on the King's watch. We're going to restart this match and we're going to make it a no disqualification match. Ring that bloody bell. say Duchess of Queensbury Rolls match. Yeah, yeah. Damn it, why didn't I write that? <laughs> Quick, re-record. Yeah, you can say it now, and then we'll just cut it in, and nobody will know. Exactly, through the power of editing. Uh, no, no, no disqualification, it plays in the story. Uh, so, he's he's the, um, he's the general manager, so they've got to do what he says. So, you know, they ring the bell, and the match restarts. William Regal, he's the general manager, so they've got to do what he says. They ring the bell, the match restarts, and William Regal, he lays in a few more shots in a groggy Triple H, and then he gets into the ring, leaving the game outside. And the referee, once again, is in an awkward position. So Triple H, he's outside the ring, and Regal is inside the ring, so obviously he has to count Triple H out. And Regal, he's going to let him. So the referee counts to ten, and then William Regal is announced as the winner of the match via countout. But... Titles can't change in a count-out finish, so Triple H remains champion. And, of course, Regal has something to say about that as well. He gets on the mic and announces that this match is now a no-count-out match. And at this stage, Regal's just showing off his power. You know, he's, he's um, you know, he knew this would happen. He's shown that no matter what, he will not be overruled. Quick uh, sidebar, K-Fapers, uh, we have literally just received the uh, the episode artwork from Tyler at Blank Page Digital. He's just sent us the artwork of William Regal that he just designed, and fucking hell, it's incredible. Um, you're going to be seeing it right now on the episode and on social media, but yeah, just literally live as we record as he sent it, and it's fucking badass, man. Like, it's so cool, man. It's like a, You said it's like a trading card, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it looks like a trading card, and I would love if, if we could... Make some sort of deal, Tyler. Make a little trading card action, you know. Could you cool imagine if we had, 
making kayfabe trading cards. Can you imagine that? Remember we used to make each other into Pokemon cards? Yeah. And now we could be on trading cards. How amazing would that be? Yeah. What What would um if we Amigo was a Pokemon? What kind of a type would he be? Oh. See, I'd say normal because you know he's like technical wrestler, kind of normal. He's a wrestler's wrestler, you know, so he'd be a normal type. I think he would be. That's trick. Oh, see, that's you can't put me on the spot like this, boy. When it comes to Pokemon, you know, I take it very seriously. <laughs> I would like him to be like a steel type Pokemon because then he could wear a crown, like a ah, you know, like a metal crown, and then that could be his gimmick. Mm. Um, mm. I was gonna also, say water type, so he could always make himself some tea, but I don't know about that. <laughs> he can always make himself some tea. Yeah, he's always got water on it, so he can just make tea whenever he wants. Yeah, good point, actually, good point. Um, where were we? Thanks, Tyler. Congratulations to Tyler for being a great artist. The shit looks amazing. And yes, fucking, he st- fucking awesome. started with the William Regal one, which you can see right now. So let's, let's yeah. hear some more about uh, good old Bill Regal. Speaking, speaking of Bill Regal and wee trips, uh, so <laughs> Regal's just... He's just made it a no-count-out match. So, Regal, he's going to roll out to the outside of the ring, and he's going to start just laying in Triple H once again. But, oh no, Triple H, he's recovered from the brass knuckle shot, and he's fighting back. Regal is once again being overwhelmed by the WWE champion, who he's got plenty of fight left in him. And King Regal, in a state of panic, he shouts at the top of his lungs, Guard! Guard! Finlay! Get your bloody arse out here! So, of course, Fit Finlay comes out, shillelagh in hand, and he clubs Triple H over the back with it, successfully stopping its assault on William Regal. Meanwhile, Regal is back in the microphone, and he announces that the match is now a two-on-one handicap match, with the person scoring the pinfall, leaving New York as the WWE champion. So, now Triple H is fucked, man. Like, he's, he's against two hard bastards, one with a freaking shillelagh and one with a set of brass knuckles. And no matter how hard he fights, he's fighting a losing battle because Regal has displayed the power to change the match in any fashion to suit his preferences. And Triple H, he fights and he fights, but eventually Regal and Finlay overwhelm him. And William Regal covers Triple H in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. William Regal is now the WWE champion. So William Regal is the king. He's the general manager and the WWE champion. He really is the most powerful entity in the WWE. And for the WWE fans, shit just went from bad to worse because it was bad enough having Regal as GM. It was bad enough even having him as a king. But now he's the WWE champion. And obviously, to rub salt in the wounds, the pay-per-view is called the Great American Bash. And an Englishman just won the WWE title in the main event. So let's be honest, the New York crowd aren't going to be too happy about that. So, you know, Regal celebrates in the ring, holding the WWE title high above his head, and the crowd are pissed off. If only we could fit one more twist into this story. If only there was a way that we could send the fans home happy and make another new star to counteract the new villain that we've just made in William Regal. If only. Well, we can't. So that's the end of today's episode. See you next time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for listening to Making Cafe. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the entrance music of CM Punk hits yes. over the PA system. CM Punk appears, top of the ramp, money in the bank briefcase in hand, and he's just going to get the biggest pop. He runs down the ramp and into the ring, confronting Regal, who looks besmirched. And King Regal, he shouts at his Royal Guard Finlay, ordering him to take Punk the fuck out so that he may continue his celebration for winning the WWE title. But 
Do you remember what Regal said to Finlay earlier? Until I win that WWE title, you will serve as a King's Royal Guard. And note, until I win the WWE title, Regal is the WWE champion. Finlay doesn't have to serve Regal anymore. Finlay is a free elf. His duties <laughs> hey! have been fulfilled. <laughs> So should I see Elf Leprechaun? Yeah. <laughs> this made it worse. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Scotland. I'm I'm rather frozen. God damn it. So Finley, Finley, he shrugs his shoulders and he decks William Regal with a big left hand, which he's no doubt been saving up for a long time. And meanwhile, CM Punk, he's handed his money in the bank briefcase to the referee. It's official. He's cashing in. It's now William Regal versus CM Punk for the WWE title. Bell rings, and immediately CM Punk kicks King William Regal in the head, hoists him up onto his shoulders, and delivers a skull-crushing go-to-sleep. He covers Regal. One, two, three. CM Punk is now the WWE Champion. And the crowd, obviously, are going to pop huge for this. Not only is it the likeable CM Punk's first WWE title reign, but he's just defroned the king of his gold. CM Punk is going to jump into the crowd to celebrate with the fans, but he'll take a microphone with him. Uh, and King Regal, he's going to be stirring in the ring, looking over at the man running away with the WWE Championship. Punk addresses him. He speaks directly to Regal. And he says, Hey, Regal, you're the king, right? That's what you've been calling yourself for the last couple of months after you beat me in the final of the King of the Ring tournament. Well, here's the analogy for you. Since you've been king, you've been using me as one of your pawns. You had me join in with that ridiculous 14-on-2 match. You had me face Ken Kennedy on Monday Night Raw just so you could get your Royal Guard Finlay to come down and beat both of us up. But here, look what's happened. This pawn has evolved, and now he holds what the king wants. The pawn holds the king's gold. Hey, King William, guess what? Checkmate. And Punk continues to celebrate as the crowd cheer loudly, and Regal looks on in utter disbelief. And like we're almost done, so let's let's round up. So let, let, let's see exactly where the storyline leave us, leaves us, and what it does for the wrestlers involved, and where we can go from here. So William Regal, uh, you know, King Regal's title reign lasted minutes. You know, if you thought King Regal was pissed off at times before, now he's just been totally fucking humiliated. Beaten by a rookie and turned on by his own royal guard, he's going to seek vengeance. So you got to believe that he's going for straight for CM Punk. CM Punk, he's going to be the most popular freaking babyface on the roster. You know, he saved the WWE from the terrifying reign of Regal in front of an American crowd, nonetheless. We were totally convinced that Regal was going to leave the next champion. CM Punk's made, basically. Fit Finlay, he gets to retire. It's part of a great storyline. And as a catalyst for CM Punk's rise to the top, Ken Kennedy, remember him? He's Kennedy. got a real reason to be. Hey! He's got a real reason to be pissed off after being screwed over and beaten up a few weeks back. He's going to come back and eventually extract revenge on guys like William Regal and, of course, Triple H. Not only did he lose the title at Great American Bash through complete and utter bullshit, but he also lost his fucking rematch clause because it expired five minutes after losing the title because Regal lost the title to a completely different guy. So who does Triple H go after first, Regal or Punk? Either way, he's going to be kept in the storyline too, and there's some there's some Triple H size creases to iron out here. So, 
I mean, from from this storyline, you, you've got stories and places to go for literally five different guys, and to me, that's what matters in wrestling storytelling because you can have the greatest feud in the history of wrestling, but if the two guys go back to just being another dude in the roster, what's the fucking point? You know, it just undoes all the work a fantastic storyline would do for them. So that's why I wanted to give all these guys an out and somewhere to go next. Anyway, that is my King Regal rebooking. Yes. All right. Well, obviously, I got some stuff to say here. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. of all, Chris Kennedy. Kennedy. We did. <laughs> 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 oh, no. <laughs> we got some things to say about this storyline before we bog things down with saying Kennedy and Slambury over and over again in funny voices. <laughs> I would like to get these things off my chest real quick. Obviously, I knew this was going to be a good storyline. I want to point at some things that I quite liked. So I liked the idea of William Regal talking to Triple H and referring to this old promo that he did, you know, from a couple of years ago. I liked that. That's a continuity you never see in the WWE. I really liked the idea of Triple H trying to buy a favor from William mm-hmm. Regal. Like, I li- that's exactly what would happen. Well, yeah. you know... William Regal abusing his power, and Triple H trying to suck up in a way that lets him abuse the power as well. Per, do, you know, do you know what actually? Do you know what actually um, convinced me to do that? It was your portrayal of Triple H in the test storyline. I think it was, yeah, because he's uh, he's always got a kind of ulterior motive, right? And that's why he had tested his bodyguard, and then so he can get closer to Stephanie McMahon and all that stuff. So, like, yeah, that that actually convinced me to do it that way because it, it is what Triple H would do because he is exactly. a, a slimy fucker, isn't he? I did that in the in the NWO one as well. Or like he's uh, yeah, with Hogan, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You see, absolutely. Triple H, we've got Triple H down to a science, man. Perfect. We do, yeah. We, we definitely do. This break. And um, <laughs> let me see what else I thought was good. I like the idea of Finley just wanting to retire in peace. I think there's there's a sweetness to that storyline where he's just yeah. old and tired, and he's just done. He's beat up. His body's had enough. And William Regal's like, no, 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 no. You still need to do my dirty work. I like that. Yeah. I think that that again that works for. The character of Finley in that scenario, and of course, because he's just a big bastard. You know, yeah, he's not but, this guy, this poor guy, retire in peace. He has to be his royal guard. You know, ex- but what I mean is, like, obviously William Regal's the the focal point. But uh, what I mean is, you've you've given attention to Triple H, you've given attention to Ken Kennedy, Kennedy, you've given yeah. attention to fin- Finley, Finley, and <laughs> that one doesn't catch on as well. But you've also <laughs> given a lot of itch, 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 itch. We we try, we and try. you've also uh, <laughs> you've also given a lot of attention to CM Punk. So like this is a, a regal storyline. But what you've done is given four people really important um, booking uh, storylines. Hmm. So like you know we're not going to be rebooking Triple H anytime soon because his story speaks for itself. But at the same time. If you have a company, you'll need something for Triple H to do. And this storyline does that. You know what I mean? It gives the main player something to do. It builds up. This is what I like the most about this storyline. And I'm going to talk about this even more in a second. But you have been able to book it like a proper wrestling company. You didn't just go, oh, well, you make the champion. He wins for 86 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which he... 86 years. 86 years. When he's already like 40-something. <laughs> <laughs> Right into his 110s, you know, 20s, yeah, you know. Can't, <laughs> you can't kill that bugger. But 
You know, it would have been really, and we've talked about this before. It's 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 very easy to just go, oh, you win the belt and you're the champion. But what you've done is you've now you've given William Regal like a motive. You know, he was only champion for five minutes, and that mm-hmm. him losing that championship is going to make Punk look great. But you've also built up your new heel as William Regal. Like clearly, he's not going to leave the title picture anytime soon. He wants that belt back. That's an angle. Yeah. Triple H is involved, and he's a heel. He wants his belt back too. But Ken Kennedy, Kennedy is there, and he's a face, so you mm-hmm. can do Kennedy versus Triple H, or um, Kennedy versus Regal again, or C- and CM Punk versus Triple H. Like you've you've you set that kind of stuff up, right? Yeah. And I think that is really interesting and really important when it comes to proper booking because you're not just booking one guy. Yeah. You, you've, you've booked. And that, by the way, is very interesting. It's so funny you've done that for the first episode because you're going to see elements of that in this second episode of season four, Ooh, because I've done I've done pretty much the same thing. Not well, not the same thing. Yeah, I did the exact same angle. Give me a big old king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> win the king of the ring. Ken Kennedy is there for some reason. Um, but yes, I thought that was a really, really good thing because, like you said, William Regal is one of your favorite guys. It would have been so easy for you to just go, ah, you know, uh, William Regal beats Triple H clean in the middle of the ring and is the champion. Yeah, but you didn't yeah. do that. You were smart because. You know, while he may have been your one of your favorite wrestlers and mine as well, you did what was smart for the wrestling business. You weren't just like, you know, fucking dicking about and putting one guy over. You ended up putting four guys over, which is really important, right? So that's that's what I thought about this storyline. I did love the CM Punk twist at the end. I thought that was a really really clever idea. So overall, I gotta say. You've swerved me again, bro. I didn't. I didn't expect that storyline to go that way, and uh, I'm very, very impressed. So there you go. Always, always be swerving. Always that's swerving, bro. You're that's always my, Vincent. That's my, that's my motto. Yeah. You're always Vincent. Oh, ah, Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm dude, I was Vincent a hell of a lot the other day. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time you were Vincent? Oh, never stop, but, Vincent. But no, man, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed writing that one uh, a lot, and like I, I love William Regal. And um, to be honest, that's one that you know you, you said this a few times about your stories, but this is one I could do a part two on. Um, I'd happily keep writing that, you know, and then doing doing more with Regal. Um, but we'll see if you want to hear part two of this, folks. Then let me know. Um, you know, tweet us, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on email, Patreon, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe maybe you'll see a part two of the Regal storyline. We'll see. But until then, you know what I want to see. I want to see the return of fans of Met Kayfabe and Bowlers, and we're going to go right into that. <laughs> Yay! Irma Gerd, it is the first Kayfabe and Bowl of season four. But hey, first off, if you enjoyed that rebooking of William Regal and you want to support making Kayfabe, we do now have a Patreon page. If you subscribe there today for as little as £5, you can hear five exclusive rebookings involving characters like Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar. On the Sexy Awesome tier, you can even hear our spin-off shows where Dylan and I give each other ridiculous storylines to book, including Pentagon Jr. being Irish and John Cena getting hit by a bus. It's not and that hey, ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> it's the best storyline I've ever written, man, so... On all tiers, you'll get early access to making kayfabe episodes, so you don't even have to wait till next Tuesday to hear our next rebook in. All that cool shit can be found at patreon.com forward slash making kayfabe. Every single penny pledged will go into making this show better. Anyway, kayfabe Tambola. Uh, if you haven't listened to our show before, kayfabe Tambola is a fun little game we play. 
Every week, one member of the KFAB community will send us a list of four random wrestlers and four random scenarios numbered one to four and layered A to D. The co-host for this episode, which is Dylan on this occasion, will give me a number letter combination like a 4D or a 2A or a 3C, etc. And then he'll have 60 seconds to spin the world's greatest storyline with the wrestler and the situation he's been given. This week's Tombola has been submitted by listener Andy McEwen. Andy... Andy, we know you've been a listener right from the start uh, of making kayfabe, so big time thank you for sticking with us, dude. You are a bloody legend. Dylan, give me your best letter-number combination. And and by the way, I don't want to give anything away, but one of these may involve the curse of crab hands. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Hey, man, it wouldn't be a good way to start off the season if it didn't involve crab hands somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what one of the one of the options might? I'm just saying that. Just saying. Okay. Oh, well, there's only one way to, for me to find out, and that's by selecting. So I would like four C, please. Four C. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't. <laughs> All right. Do, so whenever you announce it, don't laugh maniacally like I'm about to die, please. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. we we'll, we'll tend to do that a lot in KFAB. We Ball. do that a lot. Like, we know we, how fuck the other guy is. We <laughs> see the thing, we're like, ah, <laughs> I'm glad it's like not me We're laughing like a fucking this. Batman villain from the 50s, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah, proper maniacal laugh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you want to know who you could have had? Yes. You could have had Papa Shango. Okay. You didn't get Papa Shango. It's a shame. You could have had... Draws. Oh, oh come on, man! Hasn't he suffered enough? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Oh he man! He doesn't need this shit. <laughs> He's like, oh, <laughs> God, come on! Are you kidding me? The making kayfabe guys are wrecking the dick out of me. Come on, man! I like Draws. You're you're a good dude. Yeah. Draws, if you're listening, hi. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> because he definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't get Draws. You could have had Bret Hart. Oh, this is this is very attitude era kind of my time area so far. Yeah. I'm digging it. Oh, I don't like that because it means the fourth guy is gonna be fucking from the '70s or something. I mean, no, he, he was from the attitude era, but yeah. Well, but, do you know who you did get? You got Sid Vicious. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, he was he was definitely yeah. around the '90s. Yeah. It was in WCW. It not, not no, he was, no, no, he was no, no, he was he was um he was in the WF in 1997 and eight, I believe. Was he? No, he wasn't. He not was a champion. And they, no, he wasn't. Not in 98. No way. Yeah, he, didn't he fight the Bullshit. Undertaker? At, um, no it was way. going into 98. No, what was it? 97 it must have been. He was the champion. And um, Undertaker beat him at WrestleMania for the title. And then um, Brett beat Undertaker at, at SummerSlam and then lost about that Survivor Series. So yeah, it would have been 97 that... Um, Sid Vicious was the champion. You sound confident. I don't believe you. I'm going to go check that. Dude, I've, I've, it's funny because I watched, um, I think it was Survivor Series 96, and it was Shawn Michaels versus Sid Vicious. Um, ah. Not a great match. I think that was, because on that on that card had uh, Bret Hart versus Austin. I'm like, hmm. I, of, of course I'm watching this shit, because that was before they did the WrestleMania one, so it must have been 96, right? Survivor Series uh, right. 96. Anyway, yeah, for, fucking whatever. <laughs> he gives a shit about Sid Vicious. <laughs> you're, you're, actually, you're actually right. In 1997, uh, he yeah. had it. So in 1997, and he lost Dante at WrestleMania. You're absolutely right. So, um, so yeah, 97. I think 98 he was in WCW, but yes. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he was in ECW, I think, in, in 98. And then he went to WCW in 99. 
That sounds a bit right, actually, yeah, because I remember being ECW. But anyway, what, what the f- fucking Sid Vicious? Like, you, you, you've got you've got Sid Vicious, all right? Deal with it. <laughs> all right, Jesus. <laughs> all right. Uh, do I know the situations you could have had? Is um, it is it Sid Vicious fighting Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series ninety eight? Ninety seven, yeah. Whatever. I don't fucking. <laughs> all right. Here's what you could have had. Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> these these are all actually quite good. Um, so you could have had uh, Sid Vicious somehow grows a third leg and is given a new gimmick based on his three legs. Oh, I wish I got that one. I already know what I'd do for that. <laughs> Wait until you hear the next one. No. <laughs> you could have got Sid Vicious needs new reading glasses. <laughs> that- oh, Andy, you've outdone yourself. I wish. <laughs> oh, I wish. Sometimes you just don't get the ones you want, you know? Just Sid Vicious at Specsavers, you know? <laughs> but, but that's the kind of thing I could have fun with, you know? I could have a blast with that. Yeah. Uh, you didn't get that. You could have had Sid Vicious comes out on Raw and stands in the ring pointing at the WrestleMania sign and refuses to move <laughs> until he gets a match that will challenge him. I like that one. That's really good. But you know what that means? He doesn't get any of those. What did I pick? Good old Andy, who's never what? steered us wrong, and he's never given us crab hats. What could he, <laughs> what could he have picked? Dylan, for your kayfabe tombola today, you got Sid Vicious goes on a treasure hunt for a lost tomb, and he opens it, causing a curse to fall upon him. Crab hands. Okay. I mean, it, to be fair, it sounds like a lot of this is written itself. I just have to say this sentence over one minute, you know. <laughs> just to stretch it out, yeah. <laughs> so he goes for he goes to a lost tomb and he opens it and yes. there's a curse inside and the curse is crab hands. Yes, the curse is crab hands, and is, is crab hands a curse? I don't know. Like, if... well, it is for Sid Vicious. I mean, maybe he likes crabs. Maybe he's into crabs. Maybe this is like his dream come true. I maybe don't he know. just but loves I don't the hands. Too. He doesn't. Yeah, he eats crabs, but he's like. If only there was a, a human that had crab hands, that would be... That's what it sounds like. <laughs> the next one's like, he's, he's a crab, but with human hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you ready? Are you ready to yeah, tell us all about how Sid Fish is yeah. going in a treasure hunter? A lost tomb, opening it, and a curse falling upon him for crab hands. <gasps> sure. Okay, here we go. So, Dylan, you're going to have one minute to tell me all about it. So, one minute to tell me all about how Sid Vicious goes on a treasure hunt for a lost tomb, which he opens, and then a curse falls upon him. Crab hands. Going to give you 60 seconds, starting in three, two, one. Give me those fucking crab hands. I will. That's a separate matter. So, anyway, Sid Vicious, we all know, is a keen archaeologist. He a keen <laughs> Egyptologist. He famously, two things he loves most, softball and uh, searching for ancient Egyptian burial tombs. So he goes to Egypt and he's out there with his little hat and the glasses, the magnifying glass, which doesn't help when you're <laughs> an archaeologist, by the way. You need other tools. And he's like, hmm. he's heard rumors of this cave, so, but it might have a hidden mummy in it. So he goes into it hoping to, you know, have sex with it or something. I don't know what he's up to. He, that might be just what he's into. So he goes in, he's like, where's this fucking mummy at? If you know what I'm saying? And he opens the tomb to get his prize. But there's like gas. But it feels like it's dust that kind of comes out. And he's like, oh, God, the dust. But really, it's like an ancient tomb, like, um, 
the curse of the mummy has has inflicted him, and suddenly he's like, "Oh God, I can't even see." So once he he tries to like rub the dust out of his eyes, but he's actually just stabbing himself in the eyes. He's like, "Why does this hurt so bad? What the? What the? My fingers aren't like this." So once the dust settles, he looks down at his hands, and he's actually got crab claws for hands. And he's like, "Oh fuck! How am I supposed to write in my diary now? I can't pick up a pen. I don't have any fingers. This is ridiculous." So he runs around Egypt. Just complaining about his fucking crab hands. He finds it very hard to get back in the plane to go home because he can't get his passport out of his bag in time because of the crab hands. <laughs> and he goes back to the WWE and Vince is Vince McMahon is like, God damn it, pal. What the fuck's up with this shit? And uh, Sid Vicious is like, dude, it was an ancient curse. Vince McMahon is like, I like the sound of that, pal. You're hired. And now Sid Vicious is the return of the mummy and he's wrapped up in the bandages, but also he has crab hands because Vince McMahon thinks that that's going to sell money. So, is there still, still got 10 time? seconds left. Really? Yeah. No, okay. I'm, 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 to- I'm totally shitting you. You went like two minutes like, there. I could stop you. <laughs> I felt like I've been talking for two minutes. I'm like, it's like 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah, your timer definitely stopped like ages ago, but that was that was getting too good. Like, I couldn't stop that. We went into overtime in KP Tombola. Sometimes you got to do it. <laughs> we, we all know. We all know Sid Vicious is a, a, a renowned archaeologist. Sounds our intelligence. We know this. Oh man, crap hands never fails. It never fails. It never fails. So, uh, big thanks to Andy McEwen uh, at Andy McEwen one on Twitter. Keep kayfabe, my friends. Do you want your kayfabe symbols featured on an episode of Making Kayfabe? If you do, just send them in. Send them in via DM on Twitter or Instagram at Making Kayfabe, or just email Making Kayfabe at gmail.com. Cheers. Well, that's the show. Season 4 has officially kicked off. A big hearty thank you to everyone who has clicked download on today's King William Regal episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, a big thanks to our Patreons at patreon.com forward slash making kayfabe who helped make this episode possible for their support. You guys are all awesome. Uh, thanks to you guys, we were able to pay a year up front for the hosting of this podcast, meaning that we're going to be here for a long time yet. So, like I say, every penny gets invested into helping the show and improving the show. So, thank you guys. If you enjoyed the show and are interested in supporting Making Kayfabe as well as getting something back for it in the way of exclusive rebookings and spin-off shows, just head to patreon.com forward slash making kayfabe. That's patreon.com forward slash making kayfabe. And, well, that's us. Uh, Dylan's going to be back in the Making Kayfabe cheer next week for episode two of season four. And Dylan, do you have a little tease for what's going to be happening in next week's episodes? Or what's going to be focused on well, we'll do a little tease, I suppose, you know. Hello, 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 trips. <laughs> a little trips, if you know what I'm saying. A little Free trips, trips to Egypt. <laughs> to, meet, to meet a mummy that curses us. Uh, let me see, a little little tease. Yeah, mm. you know, I thought your storyline this week was really, really good. And mm. I'm going to try and do the best I can. So, you know... Uh, I'm going to do the best I can next week. And that's not a bad thing. That, my friend, <laughs> is a, that is a good thing. Now, imagine my face smiling on a Titantron for like 10 seconds longer than it should be. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think that's a pretty good clue for, for next week. Who could it be? Stevie Richards, goddammit, alright? Stevie Richards, <laughs> always Stevie Richards. 
All right, take care, folks. Look after yourself. And, of course, always be kayfabin. Bye. Kennedy! Hey!